0: Hey, welcome back! Today we've got a neighbor of mine, literally, <laughs> Stacy Vare, who is a real estate entrepreneur, and she is a financial advisor, and she's based in beautiful Kamloops, British Columbia. And I've known Stacy for a number of years, and we've worked together. And Stacy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I think this is your very first podcast interview, so
1: it is. welcome. Yeah, it is, and thank you for having me on the show, Dave.
0: My pleasure. All right, Stacy. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background because, first of all, it's interesting. Number two, it's double interesting because most financial planners that I know aren't real estate investors. And most financial planners I'm aware of try to kind of turn their customers definitely away from real estate investing. You don't do that. You are a financial planner and a real estate investor. So Tell us a little bit about that story. How did that all happen?
1: Well, I've been in the financial industry since 2003. So my whole life. A while now? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, a little while. (laughs) And, you know, I got into it because I could see people working so hard for money, but they didn't know what to do with the money when they had it or how to manage it. And I just wanted to learn that for myself. So really, it's out of a bit of a selfishness of how I fell into what I do, because I just wanted to learn more. And now it's I want to share what I've learned with everybody as the years progressed, I could see, you know, I worked at a bank and I could see that there was better opportunities outside of those walls for my clients, which I couldn't offer to them because I was you know, sitting behind whatever color desk
0: and <laughs> and, so- and in that position, just so that I understand, like you're very limited to what kind of products and services you can offer your clients because basically, if they aren't the bank's products or services, whether they're good or not, you're not allowed to provide them, right? It's, That's it's exactly right. Back.
1: And I was getting into trouble because I'm like, "There's a better deal down the street." So I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: I, can, I can see the bank not being too thrilled with you for I'm doing too that. Too
1: thrilled with that, yeah. So I went independent over a decade ago and just kept on learning as much as I possibly can. So I've got you know insurance licenses and mortgage broker license wow. as well as you know. Taking training for the
0: Smith maneuver, et cetera, et cetera. Holy smoke. So you're a financial planner. Correct. You're a mortgage broker. Correct. You're an insurance Advisor. agent. Yeah. And you've also gotten all trained up on the Smith maneuver, which I'll ask you about in a couple of minutes, because yes. a lot of people have heard of it. But if they're like me, they might have learned it a few years ago and promptly forgot it and might not yeah. remember it and all that kind yeah. of good stuff. But that's okay. So you all sorts of different things. So I understand the financial planning insurance ties in with that. So that's kind of hand in hand. Yeah. Why and when becoming a mortgage broker?
1: You know, again, the same thing is it's all selfishness where I want to learn more and yeah. and then share what I've learned with all of my clients. And so I started, you know, seeing that my more affluent clients obviously had real estate within a portfolio of some, you know, some form. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of that as well. So I I started learning as much as I possibly can and I bought my first rental property and I'm like, wait a minute, why would I be not doing this for myself? I understand how it works. So why wouldn't I just go get a license and do it for my friends and family?
0: Well, you know what? And that's like from a business point of view, that makes a lot of sense too, because now as a financial planner, Mm. as a financial advisor, There is a way for you to provide real estate services for your clients that benefit them and that you get paid for. Because that's a big, I think, and I could be wrong, most financial advisors, one of the reasons they don't promote real estate is they haven't figured out how to make any money at it. That's right. Yeah, because they
1: want they don't want you to spend your down payment on a down payment. They want you to invest that into whatever mutual funds. Yeah, whatever mutual fund or GIC, whatever the whatever the right product is for you. Whereas, you know, I have a different take on that where I see the potential of what real estate can do, a part of a good diversified portfolio. And as long as it fits, you know, that person's personality, risk tolerance, all of those extra other factors that I take into consideration, I'm all for it. I'm like, you should do that. Because mm-hmm. a mortgage is a financial tool that a lot of people they think a mortgage is like death grip, right? That's the actual in French the term death grip, right? Yeah. But if it's used correctly, it actually can be
0: a vehicle for more wealth, right? So are are you kind of hinting towards the Smiths maneuver there? Is is that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pick, am I picking up what you're laying down there, Stacy? That's right. Uh, awesome. Right. All right. Hey. Well. Okay. So big picture. Why don't you walk us through? Well, hey, no, let's do this. First things first. Tell me first about your entrance into real estate as a real estate investor. So, how long ago was that? What kind of a property was that? And what kind of lit the light bulb in your head that, hey, there's more to life and investing than than just the stock market and GIs? Yeah, so. for sure. Thank
1: you. So, you know, we, Bought our first house and I just started paying down the mortgage super fast. So I started gaining equity very quickly. Mm -hmm. And me being a financial planner, I'm like, how can I make this money work for me? Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's just sitting there doing nothing. And I want that money working. So I looked into buying rental properties. My first rental property was a condo, a two bedroom, two bath condo that we did the Burr method on, which is, you know, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Right. Yeah. And so we did that method there and it was very successful. We were able to pull equity out of that property to subsequently purchase the next property, which we got for a really good deal. We completely gutted it um, and then made it into a duplex and like two self-sufficient duplexes. Same thing. Did that again. Then we bought another. We bought a full duplex this time and renovate, repeat. And I just closed on my
0: sixth deal now so congratulations that Thank is wonderful yeah, so, so basically six houses
1: in six years
0: how many six <laughs> six six rental units or six properties in six years
1: six properties in six years
0: nice very yeah. nice yeah and okay should- stacy so you what you did at the beginning was you you took home equity did you get a home equity line of credit or we're going to get into the smith maneuver here in a, in yeah, a second yeah
1: let's say that's kind of the, what it is right is yeah. you get a home equity line of credit and use that money as your own sources, so you can use it as a down payment, and that's how we kind of springboard into the first one, right? Then and you
0: did a perfect buy- burr; you got all your money back out. Yeah. Instead of putting it back onto your HELOC, you took it and you reinvested it in the second property. Did the whole thing, another perfect burr, and then so you kind of leapfrogged along that, doing that. And actually, we we've,
1: we've done we did so well on the first three burrs that we were able to actually pay back the line of credit and still have money for the oh, for the nice. next down payment. So we, were, nice. we weren't carrying that debt during that time either. We just carried the debt during the whole renovation period. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards we were able to, actually able to actually pay it back. Yeah.
0: But okay. So maybe maybe walk us through big picture what does what does the Smith maneuver look like and what does it allow us to do?
1: Yeah. So the Smith maneuver is a financial concept, just like high level you know, yeah. information about all of it. It's a financial concept where you can turn your mortgage into a tax deductible expense. There's a loophole in the CRA tax law that if you borrow money, either off of your mortgage or even just, you know, unsecured line of credit, if you borrow money in order to make money, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be real estate, it could be a, a hot dog stand. Let's keep it focused on real
0: estate because this is the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. That's true.
1: Yeah. So to buy buy yourself a rental property. So as long as you're spending that money on the purpose of you know, buying rental property, making money, then the interest that you pay is a tax deductible expense. Mm -hmm. And as you may know, it's not so much how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. And so... After a while, what happens is that snowballs. You are paying that interest continually, but you've already planned to pay that that money on a mortgage. So basically you try to pay down your mortgage faster. You want to get a readvanceable mortgage. So you put lump sums on your mortgage. That's going to show up as available credit on your line of credit. And then you use that for the purpose of purchasing rental property in this
0: case. In this scenario. Yeah. That's
1: right. In this scenario. So that way, you know, your personal home you're not going to really owe a mortgage on it. You're just going to have a big old line of credit on it. But that line of credit is actually for the rental property, which you're making money, but the money you're making is offsetting because of the interest that you're paying.
0: Right. You see what I'm saying? And for our American listeners, they're going, well, yeah, this, this is normal. Well, it's not normal in Canada in in the U S they got 1031 exchanges and and all this kind of stuff that makes it a lot easier for, for Americans to reinvest their the yes. real estate profits than the Canadian institution <laughs> and all this wisdom. Right. So, yeah. So this is a, a loophole, a way for us to do it. It's a little bit more convoluted, but it it kind of basically gets you the same end result. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've done very very well with six properties in six years. I'm assuming you're a long term buy and hold kind of investor. Would that be correct, Stacey? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you, what have been some of your biggest lessons over the last six properties in six years? That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there. This is Dave DeBoe, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's (laughs) bookachatwithdave.com.
1: So many great lessons on it all. Just definitely knowing, always knowing your numbers, which of course, that's something that, you know, I've got dialed in, but a lot of people tend to kind of forget about all the closing costs and expenses that come up. And always, you know, expect that it's going to be 10% more, or 20% more than what you originally thought it was going to be. And maybe be
0: 10 or 20% less profitable than you originally thought it might be. Yeah, and yeah. You 50% know. longer than you thought it might take. And yeah, a few, few ideas like that.
1: Exactly. And I mean, in the last few years, too, we've done all this through COVID and mm. through the market crash and through the supply chain issues and everything. So there's, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that's come up. In these last three years, that maybe other investors like you wouldn't have ever expected, or you know, we may never expect again. But definitely, good good lessons there. And it's just you know, it's just super important to make sure that you're tight with your crew, and that you got the right professionals behind you and beside you, and that there's a you know, a excellent communication between everybody, and just to keep the projects moving along smoothly.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So, I know in in our local area, it's been very very difficult for a long time to find good labor good good contractors you've you've done six deals in six years and that's great however it's not the kind of volume that you're able to have your own teams doing this kind of stuff so you have to definitely outsource all of this what have you found has worked best for you for finding really good contractors
1: you know what you pay the money you Mm -hmm. pay top dollar and you just stick in and it's worth it though Like I have, because we have, we have kind of a niche in what we do. We're offering high quality properties to high quality tenants.
0: Right. Right. So you're taking properties and bringing them up to not just average rental standards, but top-notch. Top-notch.
1: Like, you know, we, we go all out like brand new stainless steel, everything quartz countertops, you know, new plumbing, new, new electricity. Like the, basically the whole house has been redone to, you know, 2023 standards kind of thing nice Um, yeah so then you know it's worth paying a contractor that's in business and has been in business for a long time and yeah they cost more but it's totally worth it because that job gets done and it gets done right and it gets done quickly because they're busy too they need to move on to the next project right right? rather than a mickey mouse guy that you know it's going to show up maybe on wednesday
0: that's really good advice stacy because so many people myself included in the past have Gone cheap on things, and, and it ends up biting you in the butt. It in, does, in the yeah. yeah sure. And
1: time is money, right?
0: Yeah. So well, longer
1: that that property is is sitting there gaining interest on that, you know, on that loan that you've got. It's not rented. You know, materials are getting, or or you get out. it done,
0: and then it's attracting crappy renters and not that great a rent, and you got more yeah. turnover and all that kind of stuff. Oh. What would you? What's your best guess? Because you know the market pretty well here locally. What's your best guess as the Differential between what you're able to charge for one of your units versus a kind of a plain Jane competitor of a similar size.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. You know, I do a lot of market research on that, especially since I've you know got a unit right now that I'm I'm looking to uh, to rent, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an unfortunate situation where there's a lot of landlords out there that are charging more than they really should be for the quality the lack of quality in well, the-
0: there's just such low vacancies right they can get that's away just with it, it.
1: that's yeah. just it and they just kind of get away with it what i'm you know i don't know if i can quantify in a percentage but i would like in in dollars you know i'm probably getting about 400 500 more than per month. what well yeah than what yeah. another person is but again you know we high quality and we also offer I have all of my units landscaped. like I have a landscaper that comes every two Uh weeks to do the lawn and everything, because I want to ensure that my investment looks top notch. And if I needed to get out tomorrow, it's not going to be a big thing to fix it up and get it going again. It's already well cared for. So,
0: well, and that just even is another big benefit for your tenants because they don't have to worry about landscaping. And
1: that's just it. We want to provide value, right? We want to provide value for the dollars. They're living in, you know, clean, safe, healthy spaces. Where you know it's easy
0: to be and easy to live. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, Stacy. So, what what are your goals and plans moving ahead? What when it comes to real estate? Well, I mean, you're doing a whole bunch of different things, but <laughs> when it comes to real estate investing, what do you want to be doing?
1: I'm really interested in multifamily. You know, now that I've bought that duplex, and um, you know, the eventual plan is fourplex. Yeah. So, I'm really interested in purchasing multifamily, and moving very good in that direction. Whether whether we're going to buy land and do purpose build or you know just buy something that's already there that's to be said the market right now most small apartment owners want to they think their houses their their apartments worth way more than yeah. what the income is coming in so finding those deals are top of mind and a little bit tougher. I think that a lot of sellers need to recognize that we're no longer in 2021 and those prices that you know the value of their home has gone down.
0: Right. Yeah, their property has gone down. Yeah, but you probably would be well served, Stacy, because you you're a very studious kind of person. When you get interested in something, you really study it hard and you you <laughs> take a deep dive. In your position, I would really take a look at development and building purpose built properties. You know, build to rent. I've I've interviewed a ton of peace, people recently that are because of all the same circumstances you've just mentioned are getting into that. Plus there's a lot of incentives from the government to yes. create more housing versus just shuffling the current housing stock we have around. So yes,
1: correct. Like if, the MLI select program through cnc exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, my gut says that's probably the best route to go. And at the end of the day, you've got a beautiful brand new property that that's going to be super, you know, you can make it super efficient. You can have it dialed into the exact standards that that you want. You can have it landscaped the way the way you want. You can have all the fixtures and you can be attracting those same kind of tenants, but now instead of onesies, twosies, now sixies, eighties, tensies, whatever <laughs> whatever you decide exactly. to build. Yeah. Yeah. So that that yeah. is that is great. Well, Stacy, the time flies when we're having fun. I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there that they're going, oh, this lady knows some stuff. She's she's pretty interesting. If people would like to connect with you, what should they do? What's the best way to reach out for you?
1: Yeah, if you just want to check out my website at uh, godinfinancial.com, that's G-O-D-D-Y-N financial.com. You've got all of my contact details and what I do and uh, just, you know, hit me up, give me an email or a phone call and, and we can take it from there.
0: That sounds great. Well, Stacy, thanks for, for being on the show. And it's an honor having you on, on my show as, uh, as your first podcast interview. How did it feel?
1: Really great. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate <laughs> being
0: here. And I look forward to seeing you at a, one of our upcoming Brent's meetings, hopefully. Yes, me too. All right. Very good. Thanks, Stacey. And everybody, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula, you can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.